Good morning, everyone. Our first reading from the prophet Jonah, I encourage all of you to go back and read uh, the whole book. The whole book is about four pages, but it's filled with so much more from what we just heard, and a big piece of it's missing. But uh, in there we find God talking to one of his prophets, uh, who doesn't want to be one of his prophets, doesn't agree with God on anything, and chooses not to follow God. In there also is a story about a people who doesn't know God. They don't know that they're just wallowing in their own nonsense. He wants the prophet to go and tell them, and they uh, decide they're going to follow God, and the prophet gets angry. So there's so much more. It's better to look. I follow many. There are many scripture scholars that speak about And I tend to agree with them that this book tends to be more of a parable in the post-exilic stage, meaning after the exile, somebody wrote this and meant it as a parable because there's so much going on in it. St. Paul uh, is trying to get at, he's trying to make you understand Christ and his ways are to be primary, and he does it in this bizarre way where he says, for those who are married, don't be like married. And uh, so you have to read the whole chapter to get it. Otherwise, we will misunderstand as often we do. And the, uh, last night, someone said, Father, can you just speak really quickly about what did Jesus mean when he said this is a time of fulfillment? My friends, um, um, in Christianity, we know of um, four ages, uh, and that is the time of creation. Um, That time when humanity was in friendship with God. God walked with humanity. And we were friends. We were in union. That is known as a time of creation. And then there is this disobedience. We know better than God. And when humanity refuses his ways, there's a fall from grace and evil comes. Then the second phase is the time of promise. God says, I will have to fix this. (laughs) I will take the initiative. I will send the Messiah and the Savior. That is the time of promise. And then as we hear, Jesus says, and now is the time of fulfillment. Now the Father has sent me. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. I will reunite. I will remedy. I will heal. The fourth one, and we are in that time of fulfillment. We, as disciples, are working. We're continuing the mission of Jesus. And then there is the fourth one. The book of Revelation speaks about it in a certain way, but it is known as the age or the time of glory that is to come where evil and death and sorrow are gone forever. So there you go. <laughs> the person who asked last night, hopefully they'll listen to this one. Oh, no, this one's being recorded. Uh, maybe they'll hear it and understand. My friends, the gospel has uh, our Lord, uh, another event in the day of his life, and uh, it is shows the calling of his apostles, his disciples, in this case, Simon and Andrew, but we're told about James and John. 
My friends, we, when we look at it, it doesn't seem so, but it is a very intimate moment between those men and Jesus. It is one that should in some way be a part of every Christian's life, for God calls every Christian to himself. In this, we see a pattern uh, when, he, when Jesus calls. There's the call, and we see from the, something is left behind. And then there is a following of. So Jesus calls. Oftentimes it's shortened to call and response. Jesus calls, what is your response? But in this gospel we see Jesus calls somebody, and something is left behind, and then they follow, meaning they walk in his ways. These three dimensions are true of every disciple's life. We see Jesus walking along the shore, and I'm telling you, uh, where Jesus was at that time walking, there were many people on the shore with him. But he focuses, if you will, on Simon and Andrew. And then down the road a little bit, uh, maybe a block or two down or however they call it, uh, he goes after James and John. He bids them to follow me. The Lord calls them to a purpose. In truth, Jesus calls each of us for a reason. In baptism, this is a very intimate time. Uh, that's why sometimes I get frustrated when people come and uh, I want to baptize my child. Why? Because grandma said so. Seriously, no. No. So we try to get them to understand what this is about. And... Uh, uh, because it is not insignificant. It has great significance, and it's extremely personal. My friends, the one thing that all humans will understand is each person has been created for a purpose, for a reason. And in such, then, when Jesus calls, he calls for a reason, certainly for salvation, but, um, but for more also. And my friends, when Jesus puts his call, he puts it on and it is something that no one else can accomplish in the very same way. Last night I presented it as a husband and a wife. That husband uh, has a calling to be with that woman that is his wife and no one else would have been able to do it that way. I presented myself to a couple and I said, Father would never be able to be the husband that you are. And that's the truth <laughs> in many ways. But I was trying to bring it down to a level that everyone would understand. There is a, a reason and a purpose for you and the call that Jesus has, and it's unique to you, and no one else is going to be able to do that. To the opposite of that, sometimes Christianity, uh, its members, has thought of itself only as spiritual worker ants, where only the group is important. And I would refute that using the Scriptures, saying, no, that is not so. Everybody is significant to God. You matter to Him, every person. So to take the mentality of worker ants who only go after it because of the, for the group and for the queen, this is different. Each person has their story. Each person has a journey, a call to answer that is uniquely their own. My friends, this other piece, the second aspect of discipleship 
uh, we find in the leaving behind. Now, Jesus presents the story, or Mark presents the story, as uh, they left their nets behind. And remember, nets work how? They trap the fish. That's what they do. So I'm going to adapt this a little bit and say, to follow Christ, one must leave the net behind that entangles you. A net that maybe burdens you, a net that ensnares you. And my friends, uh, sometimes uh, there's this uh, idea with Christians, well, all I have to do is just leave the world behind and everything will be better and everything will be well. But being a priest and hearing the confessions of monks and nuns, without revealing too much, I assure you that that is not the case. Because when I hear their confessions, I hear about what goes on in their monastery or convent. And besides that, Jesus didn't say that. He said, um, when it comes to these things, that you must be salt and light in the world. The conflicts and tensions and darkness that we see in our world reflect the very conflicts and tensions and darkness of the human heart. That is why you cannot run anywhere. You cannot escape it by going somewhere as if, uh, like the snowbirds. Uh, that's a little bit different. Snowbirds say, bye-bye, Father, see you in the spring. I'm out of here because I'm escaping the rain and the cold. We cannot do that with these ways of the world, with tensions and conflicts and things. There's no place to escape jealousy and desire uh, for revenge and um, conflicts. To be a disciple of Christ is not to simply leave the world, but to stay in it, as he said. But his followers, his disciples, are to use the things of the world differently, different from the way others use it. And that's what Paul was getting at in that second reading. My friends, this is how it works, and I've told this to you in different ways. Before we can change the world around us, we must change the world inside of us. Governments can make all the laws they want, but until the human heart changes, nothing will really change. Whether we agree with the laws that certain governments make or not, Jesus knew this is why he didn't overthrow. Remember, they thought, you're here, good, you're going to overthrow those idiot Romans. No, I've come to change your heart. He could have destroyed the Roman Empire. Remember, he said, I can call a multitude of angels to come. But you would just start it all over again until your heart is changed. So the question is, what are you as his disciples? And me, I'm in this too. What are we willing to leave behind for Christ? And I'm not talking about your house <laughs> or your bank account. I'm going to get in trouble for not talking about tithing, but <laughs> that's another matter. Attitudes and actions. What attitudes and actions are you willing to leave behind? Are you ready to abandon malicious gossip? Are you ready to abandon deceptions, self-deceptions? Are you ready to let go of greed? 
self-righteousness, unhealthy anger and resentments that entangle you. Because until you do this, you will act no different than unbelievers. You will be no different. Jesus presented that. How are you any different if you only love those who love you? It's all in the scriptures. These are the most difficult things for us to leave behind because we are so wrapped up in them. But when one does let go of these things, it changes so much. It changes the world. It is given, my friends, it is like a part of the examples given from our first reading with the book of Jonah. We are told that the Ninevites repented. They changed their ways. They decided to follow God. They decided to rely on His wisdom and His knowledge. The Ninevites uh, in history, they were a very wealthy community. And they were very wise in the world. They listened to the prophet who hated them <laughs> and changed their ways. Here's the thing. They didn't leave their country. They were still there when they repented. But when they woke up after the repentance, the world had changed because it was their hearts that changed. They were changed and transformed from within. They began to follow God. And what does that mean to follow the Lord now as Christians? It means to make the Lord's ways and teachings primary in our life lived every day. It means standing up for many things that the world disagrees with. To follow Jesus is to accept his ways. I'm talking to a house full of Christians, so Christians tend to try and make God's ways, the way Jesus spoke in his teachings, conform to the world. And it doesn't work. It has to be the other way. We take his teachings and try to form the world. But Christians are always doing it the other way. St. Paul spoke about this. I wish the reading uh, would have been from 2 Corinthians instead. Because he says, For the weapons of our battle are not of flesh, but are enormously powerful, capable of destroying fortresses and Many people misunderstand that as being governments. He's talking about ourselves within us. We destroy arguments and every pretension. He said, this is what you must do. Destroy those thoughts that you have. That your ways are better than God's. That you know better than He. Tear down those things that put themselves against the knowledge of God. 
and his ways. And take every thought captive, he went on to say, in obedience to Christ. And this is what people really must understand, and we are ready to punish every disobedience. People take that to go after other people. Paul meant it to your own heart. When your heart becomes disobedient to the ways of Jesus Christ. Then is your obedience complete, Paul would say. In this world, we are to follow his ways. And to follow the Lord means to make his life yours. In John's Gospel, John 14, Jesus is preparing to leave. And one of the apostles says, just show us the Father. That'll be enough. And Jesus' response is amazing. Philip, if you know me, then you know my Father. And Jesus went on to say, from now on you know him and have seen him. Master, show me the Father and that will be enough. And Jesus says, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Jesus didn't just mean the three years he meant since the beginning of time. He went on to say, whoever sees me has seen the Father. You want to know what God thinks? Study Jesus. You want to know how God feels? Study Jesus. You want to know what God wants? Study Jesus. It's all right there. If every disciple of Jesus Christ would actually apply the teachings of Jesus and live their lives that way, this world would begin to change and the age of glory would come. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus said, everyone who listens to these words of mine and acts on them puts them into their life and makes this the catalyst for everything. They will be like a wise person who has built their house on a rock. And then when trouble comes, Jesus, well, he says, when the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and buffeted the house, it did not collapse, but was solid. In this world, we are the disciples of Jesus. We continue his mission That mission is to follow him, not to, to control, not to conform what he said. Okay, here's what he said, but here's how it works in my life. No. Going back to how Christians try to take his values, God, and adapt them and conform them to the way the world thinks. But it's just the opposite. And until we do that, we are truly not being his disciples. 
means to make the Lord's ways and his teachings primary in his life. And it begins with life. God is the God of life. He created. He makes. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life. So his disciples must stand up for the sacredness of all life from its beginning to its natural end. How we treat the unborn and how we treat the elderly and the ill matter because in the middle are our young people and they see the disrespect being shown by the world in the beginning and in the end. It means to stand up for life from its beginning, its middle, and its end. My friends, it means building up bridges among people who slip easily into divisions and factions. You mean speaking up about the truth about money and power and prestige and how it dupes so many people and causes so much greed and wars. It means guarding the dignity and the sacredness of human sexuality in a world that exploits it and makes it a business. It means guarding against guarding the holiness of the sacrament of matrimony in a world that so easily dismisses commitment and fidelity. Don't want to be with that person anymore? Just get a divorce. Don't want to be committed? Don't. It means guarding the importance of the spiritual life in a world that puts as primary material things, trying to elevate those things to demigods. To follow our Lord means more than just being able to quote him. It means more than just visiting sacred places where his holy feet walked. It means applying his teachings to your life and living those values. Narrate your life by his words, not by the world's. Jesus has a call and a mission, a personal mission for each one of you. It requires sacrifices. It requires that you and I leave behind the nets, the things, the attitudes that burden and tangle and compromise not only us, but the mission. It means that we follow Jesus not only by remembering and preserving his message, but living his message and delivering it to others so that they may not be lost. The call of the disciple is personal, and it means that he has called each one of us for a reason larger than ourselves. Yeah, Father's a little bit cranky this morning. (laughs) Last night I told the people that I was 
angry at God these past several weeks. But the homily has changed because I'm not angry at God. I was angry at myself. I was angry at the world. I just wanted to scream. I can't even tell you the nightmare that I had that changed the homily. So you got the brunt of this. <laughs> I'll adapt it a little bit more, but everything I've said is true. Everything that is in there is truth. Go back and read the book of Jonah. Seriously, it's four pages. Look at it from the perspective of a parable and see the message that's there. But more than that, as disciples of Jesus, put yourselves up against it and compare. Who are you in the parable? Who would you like to be in the parable? And then what will you do to make that happen? My friends, um, I want to leave you with this. You are not insignificant. You are significant to God. In all the creation, in all the universes, He has created you in His image because that is how much He loves you and how much He values you. We have to understand this and grasp it and apply it. If you live as Jesus taught, truly live it, Apply it to your life. You will be filled with joy and peace and hope that this world cannot give you. We will help to change the world. For this is the mission of the disciples, you and I. That age of glory will come finally. Amen?